there will be Bibles, if you guys want some Bibles today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, a ton of different passages of Scripture, but uh, there's a rumor going about that I always pass out Bibles and then never have anybody use them because I just read it. So I apologize for that. I will try my best to wait, be patient, and let that happen. But if you would like a Bible, will you go ahead and slip your hand up and somebody will hopefully... Maybe someone out in the lobby will come and grab a Bible and hand it to you. Um, <clears throat> but either way it happens, it'll happen. Promise, just keep that hand up. Just keep doing your thing. Um, Mr. Mr. Inglebright, you go. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it, man. He's like, I saw, that's the only hand I saw. I didn't, nobody else wants to read with me. Um, but uh, I think, especially today, um, when it comes to where we're going to be in Scripture, and what we're going to talk about. Uh, it's important to have a footing in something other than just something I say. So uh, no matter what you hear today, I would say go back to the Scriptures, take a look, see what's up. Don't just like hear me and then just walk away going, dang, that guy has a deep voice and is big. That's cool. Uh, but I prefer that you would look in the Scriptures and actually see for yourself what they say. Um, this week I've been pondering a few words, and I, I want you to think about them, sit in them for a second. They have definitions that are different maybe than what you have, but I, I want you to think about it. So um, I've been sitting and thinking about these words. Um, I've been thinking about the word longing. Um, I've been thinking about the word patience. Um, I've been thinking about the word waiting. Sometimes I think about the word anticipation. Um, and ultimately, hope. And I, I kept thinking, man, has there ever been a promise that I've experienced in my life to this point that has ever actually come true? Like, has there ever been something that I hoped for, like truly hoped for, and had it fulfill me? Like, did anything ever really grip me the way that I wanted it to? I mean, I've had times in my life where I've really wanted something to happen, right? And, and sometimes they happen and sometimes they don't. But even when they did happen, for some reason, it just didn't make me feel like whole. And what is that? Because I'm, I'm willing to bet, and, and, and I, after this week, I'm like dead solid on it, that none of us in this room have ever been actually fulfilled by something. Whether that be a, whether that be someone who you looked up to, whether that be something that you were waiting for, something you were really going for. But I started to think about the definition of the word hope. Because I threw this word around, hope, hope, hope. What does hope mean? How does it mean to hope in something? Like, how do, hope, hope, hope. What is real hope? Tangible something I can hope in. I think if I wasn't a believer, if I wasn't a Christian, if I wasn't following Jesus, I would truly be a, a massive pessimist. And you want to know why? Because, man, the world can always shatter a good dream now and again, right? Like, no matter what it is that you've been in or done, like, you will find a time, like, uh, l l let me say it this way. Sometimes when you're younger, no offense, like, you didn't choose when you were born, but like, sometimes when you're younger, you go into life and it's like, oh man, I'm going to have something happen to me, and in the next 50 years, nothing's going to happen to me. 
There are things in, in our brains, right, when we're younger that's like, oh man, if I could just get this thing, if this thing could happen, then man, I, I'm smooth sailing from there. I got nothing to worry about, nothing coming up in the rearview mirror, nothing in front of me that's going to trip me up, nothing. And I kept thinking like, so a year ago, a year ago, think about where you were, especially those of you who are going through something gnarly, right? Like something crazy and different. Think about where you were a year ago. Did you ever see it coming? No. No. The truth of the matter is, is that hope in anything other than something eternal who has power is fake. It's not hope. You can want something. Good things happen in the world. They, they do. But every day, every day I see people striving to think that the world is better than it really is. And some of you in here, like, I say that and you agree with me, but you don't know what I mean when I say hope. You don't know what I mean when I say that doesn't define how you believe and what you think and, and how you're processing things. Okay, for me to throw out the statement that life will let you down, you know that. But real hope dictates what you think's going to happen in life and what you do with it. So we've been talking about the kingdom of God, right? And we've defined it as God's redeeming reign. Well, what good is it to talk about redemption unless there's going to be a culmination? What good is talking about redeeming something unless there's going to be a day when it's redeemed? And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about where we as believers place our hope. Where we as Christians, those of you who claim to know Christ, where is your hope? I think in our world, a lot of things vie for that hope that you have. There's a lot of things that, that tell you what to hope in, right? Hey, if you do this, this, and this, this good outcome will happen for sure. But nobody has the power to fulfill every promise they give. Not a politician, not a product, not a position, not another person. Nobody is in control. Because of that, even if I am the greatest husband to ever walk the planet, which I am not, but even if I was, there will come a day when I let my wife down because I'm going to die. If her hope is in me, her hope dies with me. Do I want that for her? No. No. No matter what it is that you see in this world, we have to recognize that our desire is that people would put their hope in Christ. That he would be the place because he's the only one who has the power to fulfill that place in us. That thing that we long for. That thing that we strive for every day. Um, as if the glasses didn't give me away, I'm a total nerd. Um, and I love, 
love, love, love learning random new things. And so I totally got in this rabbit hole um, talking about, uh, or, or about campaign slogans from the past. And, uh, and I love the United States, uh, but this is great. Uh, so in case you were wondering, some different campaign slogans, promises that different politicians have given to our good old American kinsmen. Uh, this is some of them, okay? So I'm going to give you a perspective on, on the way that people vie for hope. Abraham Lincoln in 1860 did not run on the beards or trustworthy category. He said, vote yourself a farm. Some of you are like, sweet. Some of you are like, you. So, Teddy Roosevelt, 1900, right? This one's a little more like national unity, advancement, and prosperity, right? Thanks. Um, Herbert Hoover, this is, this is the best one, uh, especially for the vegetarians. Um, a chicken in every pot and a car in every garage, right? Could you imagine, like, if someone came out today and was like, hey, quinoa in every salad and a Tesla in your garage, right? You're stoked. Walk into Whole Foods and get started right. Richard Nixon in 1968. This time, check this out. This time, vote like your whole world depended on it. Wow, really? Man. And then in 1980 and in 2016, you have Ronald Reagan and Donald Trump saying the same thing, which is let's make America great again. Right? This promise. This promise. Here's a promise for you. If you vote for me, I promise to do this. Advertisers know this. If you buy this product, it promises to do this. People do this. Okay? Sometimes in a really unhealthy way, people will say things like, hey, if you come work for me, I will do this. If you do this, I will do this. And we hitch our wagons to people and our hope is in them. You've got a great company that you're working for. Your hope is in that. And you know what happens? It crumbles. Why? Because that's what happens. Sorry. This world is a place that unfortunately since the beginning Since the fall of mankind, since sinfulness entered the world, things grow and things die. There will come a day when nothing dies. There will come a day where death will be something that used to happen. There will come a day when things like war, pain, mourning, difficulty, all those things will be memories from the past. They will be what our parents went through. We don't believe in a politician. Jesus is not a product. Jesus isn't giving you a position in the world. Jesus is the one who has the power to do what he promises to do, and he will fulfill it. He is the only one. He's the only one. In Psalm 135, it says, The Lord does whatever he pleases. In Isaiah 46.10, It says this, one of the first passages I memorized as a new believer because I needed to understand this point. I needed to understand that I'm not in control of my life anymore. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times, things which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and all I will accomplish. 
is all good to me. The only one in the entirety of human history to be able to back up a promise is Jesus. So what makes us think that we could so easily, and some of us don't, and I was like, I have no idea how in the world we can wrap our minds around Jesus then. How can, how can we even begin to think about him? Like, my whole life has been a series of promises that eventually probably let me down. So how will I know when I hear a promise that won't? Some of you in here know. Some of you in here have been trying to walk with Jesus for years and you've tried to figure out, like, where does hope come from? What does hope look like for me? And I'm here to tell you, whatever it is that you are putting your desire, your want, your hope in, If it's not in him, if it's not in Jesus, I'm telling you right now, all you're doing is waiting for that thing to let you down. And I know that sounds sad, but I got to tell you because it's the truth. Now here's the good part, all right? Here's the good part about that. You have a place to put your hope that you will not be let down in. You have someone whom you can look to who will not let you down. I'm going to say it one more time, not because I'm just redundant, but because I really think we got to hear it. Like, I got to hear it, you guys. I got to understand that I got a place, I got a person I can put my hope in. It's not a politician. It's not a position I'm going to get in my life. It's not a person. It's not a product. It's Jesus. And I can find hope. Now, the crazy part is oftentimes, sometimes we see Jesus as small, right? Like, it's baby Jesus. It's coming to Christmas season. Everybody's like, ooh, it's baby Jesus. That's awesome. Look at the manger scene, right? Like, and that guy's not going to bring anything about, Right? But I think there's an important contrast to understand. As we talk about the kingdom of God and the culmination of redemption, when Jesus returns to the earth, he will look vastly different than when he came the first time. Okay, Isaiah tells us this, that the first time he came, he grew up, and that he had no form or majesty that we would look at him, nothing to catch our eye, no beauty. There was nothing about Jesus the first time he came that made anybody go, whoa, when you look at him. But the next time he comes, this is my favorite part, and this is something that I've been really mulling over this week. When Jesus comes back, the whole world will see him how I try to see him. As the powerful beautiful, majestic king of the universe and a picture that looks more like this. This is John in Revelation 1. He says, Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. 
And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest, kingly. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. There's your contrast. If you still see Jesus as someone who's weak and just simply died for you, then I want you to begin to think about Revelation 1 and realize that Jesus is far more powerful than that. And that this person that we're talking about, Jesus, is not even, the word incredible doesn't describe him. If you could look directly at the sun, it says that that's what his face was like. Now, I don't know of anything more powerful than that. But that's the intention, is that we would see him for who he is. Now, that king, Jesus, who looks like his face is the shining of the sun, that king is going to come back and restore a place that's been broken. That, I love that the scriptures say this, that everything finds its yes in Jesus. That if you look at the way that Jesus is perceived and how we view him today and how we view the world, I just told you, you're going to get let down. If you put your hope in anything but him, you're going to be let down. I just told you that. But he's going to come, and he's going to change the world. And then from then on, hope realized. Not some weird thing that we're looking forward to. It's going to be a reality. And I'm going to give you a picture of what it looks like a little bit, but I, I don't want us to miss the fact that you guys, for 2,000 years, the people of God have been coming to this idea, this subject, and thinking to themselves, I want that. I want that world, that perfect world that Jesus talks about. I don't want everything that this imperfect world could offer me, tainted with different things. I want the world that can't be broken, where death is a memory. I want the world where the word longing doesn't exist. I want the world where patience was something that other people had back in the day. Where waiting was no longer a subject. Where anticipation has turned into realization. I want that world. I want the new place that Jesus is building. Much more than I want this place here and now. I want this place. Revelation 21, 1-6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. 
and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give the spring of the water of life without payment. Isaiah eleven six to 9 the, wor- the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, and their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And this one's one of my favorites. And I, you got to see this. You got to see this picture of what the Lord is doing in the world. It's Isaiah 2 4. He says, He shall judge between the nations and shall dis- decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Do you see that picture? Every weapon of war melted down to be something used to produce food. Every destructive thing repurposed to make abundance. They don't need them anymore because nations shall not lift up sword against nation and neither shall anybody learn of war anymore. Conflict dies with sin when Jesus returns. We want to see Jesus exalted, trust me. We want to see redemptive history come to a final victory. We want to live in a world like the one described. We want to live forever in perfect righteousness with our king. And truly kingdom-minded people want Jesus to come back. When was the last time you thought or prayed for Christ to return? When was the last time you asked him to come and build a bonfire out of all of the weapons of war in the world to be melted down to make things to make food for others? And when was the last time you prayed for the Lord to come back and to finally fulfill the hope of every person who's ever tried to see him? You guys, there's a lot of things that we hope for in the world. You hope your kids grow up and get a good education and a good job. You hope that things work out for you. You hope that you'll get married to a great person. You hope that all these things will pile up around you, that your life will be full of abundance, but they're hollow things. Your hope comes when Jesus returns. If you are a believer, you you can finally admit that nothing here satisfies the way it needs to. 
You can finally free yourself from the idea that you have to make everything happen here and now and do life this way and that way and this and make sure everything's the way you want it. And you can give up and say, yes, Lord, I want to be in that place. There's freedom in that. And it will dictate what you do here and now. It will dictate how you live here and now. Because if you live as if this is your best life now, then you're going to miss something that the truth of the matter is, is your best life is later. Don't grasp for things that aren't going to fulfill you and think that they will fulfill you. We are the ones who want Jesus to come back. We are the ones who want this to happen today. And for some of you, I know I'm in this boat too. When I say that, when I say we are the ones who want Jesus to come back now, some of you go, I don't though. I got too much going on. I got too many things right now. I've got too many things going on. You know why sometimes we struggle to actually hope in this picture? You know why we struggle? Because we're too busy trying to, we're too busy trying to build this picture on our own. If you are someone who today, especially, you don't want Jesus to come back, ask yourself the question, is my mindset one of hope in the Lord or is my mindset one of hope in something here and now? The posture is this. The posture is like it is in 1 Corinthians 16, 22, where all it says is, Lord, come. Come. Or think about it this way. Those of you who are part of the kingdom of God, this redeeming work that God is doing, for our citizenship is in heaven. This is Philippians 3, 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we eager to see him be put in the place where he belongs? Are we eager to see perfection? He says throughout scripture that he is coming soon. Okay, if anyone tells you they know when, they're wrong, okay? Just says he's coming soon. And some of us in here, man, so now that I've said that, some of you are like, well, why is he waiting so long? Why is he waiting so long to come? Turn with me, if you would, to, uh, to 2 Peter 3. This is, I know, I waited till like the very end to have you like actually look at the Bible. Second Peter 3, it starts in verse 8. If you're like superstar Bible scholar, you're already there. Well done. If you're still searching it on Google, go for it. When will the Lord come? When will the Lord come? When will he be here? When will he finally make this picture a reality? Let's look at this. Let's look at this. It says in 2 Peter 3.8, and, and to give you a little context, um, you know, I, I think in some of our prosperity, we, we miss out on this mindset of wanting the Lord to come, right? But this is not a group of people who are living in this great prosperity in 2 Peter. This is a group of people who have gotten the idea of what it looks like to be in pain here on the earth, and they long for the day when they won't be. They haven't cushioned themselves 
on the earth because they're under persecution. And so their longing for the day of the Lord is so strong, so strong, because their world here and now is awful. That doesn't mean that you need to make your world awful. That means that you need to realize that there is a perspective for those of us who are kingdom-minded, and this is it. 2 Peter 3, 8 to 18 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you, not wishing that any would perish, but that all should reach repentance. Think about that for one second. The reason that God has not come yet is because he doesn't want to do away with people. He doesn't want anyone to suffer. How many of us right now can say that those, of us, those, those people around us who don't know the Lord How many of us would say that we care like that? That we care about where they're going to be and what's going to happen to them? Even if you're unsure of what the future looks like. We have brothers and sisters. We have family members who right now are not a part of our family yet. And the Lord is waiting. What a beautiful picture. The father is waiting for his sons and daughters to come home. And then he will take them to a new place that's perfect. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. And then the heavens will pass away with a roar. And the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace." And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given him, as he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. There are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction as they do the other scriptures. But you, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the air of lawless people and lose stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever until the day of eternity. Amen. Um, Do you want God to come back and set up this kingdom? Because that is what kingdom-minded people want. People who want Jesus to be the highest 
They want Jesus to be worshiped. And I tell you this right now, Philippians 2 says that every single knee will bow and every single tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord at some point. And on that day, the Jesus that I want to know for my entire life, everyone will see him the way that I'm trying to see him. Don't you want to know him? Don't you want to see what that means? Don't you want to meet the only person who can fulfill a promise like this to you? I don't know where you're at. And and in all honesty, it might be easier for you to want the Lord to come this year because, dang it, you're having a hard time. Or it might be the year that you're like, man, everything just took off. Whatever it is, nothing will fulfill you here and now. Your hope has met its complete fulfillment in Jesus. And on the day when he comes back, we will talk about waiting and longing and patience and anticipation as if they were things of the past. And we will see what it's like to live in a real perfect place. And we will know what fulfillment feels like. Father, I trust you. And I pray that as we continue to trust you, we would, we would long for that day. That our hearts would be set on you that our trajectory would be you. Father, I need this in my soul so much more. And I cannot, I cannot wait for you to come back. Man, it's gonna be awesome. And maybe it's, Lord, I know I've been soaking in this all week and so it's not fair to these people to hope for them to think that too right now, but I pray that they would. I pray that we would every day, for the rest of our days, that we would think about the fact that you're coming back. That you're coming back to finally redeem everything fully. And that space within us, that place within us that is not fulfilled, that that space, that place, it will be fulfilled. That we will finally be a part of hope realized. And not just longing, desire, whatever it is, not just wishing for things to be better, but that we'll finally have hope realized. Thank you, Jesus. We pray these things in Jesus' name.